Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. Having a podcast is a bit like pretending to be 12, hiding in a closet and playing make-believe with a microphone that, and saying that you have an audience. So I don't know how many people are actually listening to this podcast, but I want to thank all of you who write emails to me or send me messages on Facebook and say, hey, I've been listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for making them. Uh, I we, Right now, we have no idea of really knowing numerically how many people are listening, but uh, <laughs> I've honestly felt maybe two, three, but several people around the world have written to me and said, hey, good on you. I think it's going well. I love listening to them, and I'm learning a lot about what's happening on the field. Even if you're not a supporter of Back to Jerusalem, even if you support other ministries that are working inside of China, keep doing that. We're very excited about people that are working completely independent of what we're doing, supporting the Chinese church, supporting their efforts in the Middle East in the 1040 window. You don't have to do that through Back to Jerusalem. We would encourage you to become involved in the world's largest mission-sending body, which is going to be China, uh, to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get the gospel into the hands of every tribe, nation, and tongue. To complete the Great Commission, we have to be ready to sacrifice and do whatever it takes. Uh, we don't plan to be, we don't expect to be the organization that leads that effort. We are more than happy to take a small slice of a much bigger pie. For those of you that are with us, for those of you that are praying together with us, for those of you that are supporting the efforts that we are working on, thank you so much. We feel extremely humbled and unworthy of your support. We say unworthy because when we actually get on the ground and start doing the things that need to be done, sometimes it looks like a circus. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> it, it looks like you have a, 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 an amateur hour with, with individuals who know absolutely nothing. I've been doing this for 17 years, and I still don't know if I know exactly what I'm doing because every situation is different. If you think that um, – you know what, I've been called to go and serve in Afghanistan, but I can't go because I just don't know where to start. I've never been to Afghanistan. I, I don't know the language. I don't know the people. I don't know the culture. There's so many people that are so much smarter than me, and they know what to do, and they're the ones I should stand behind. Malarkey. Seriously. Every time I do a project, it's different than the last. Even if I try to create a perfect blueprint, it never works out the way that you plan. I, I think it was General Patton. I, now, don't quote me on this. I, I could easily look it up on Google, but I'm not because I'm lazy. But it, I think it was General Patton that says, no battle plan lasts longer than the first five minutes of war. I, I think that's true about working together with underground missionaries in other countries. But to be honest, folks, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. If if it was if if there was a blueprint that we could follow, it, it would have been written. But honestly, when if 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 it's written and rules are given to follow, those rules will be broken in the first five minutes in a country where laws are always evolving and changing, and that happens in third world countries, and you have to get used to it. I had to get used to it last night. Yesterday, I just arrived back from the Philippines. 
where we were able to bring in 25 back to Jerusalem missionaries who are training on the ground in the Philippines right now as I'm as I'm doing this podcast. Well, 25 is what we arranged to go there. Four of them had a challenge. Now, I have to. I want to be careful because I love the Philippines. I love going there. I, I I love being in the Philippines. The Filipino people are the, some of the nicest people in the world. I'm quite confident that I'm probably going to be serving them in heaven because they are some of the most humble-minded people on earth. And I think that from their servant view here on earth, they will probably have a very high position somewhere in in heaven, and I'm going to be working for them. Now, I don't have any biblical base on that, so please don't write to me and say, well, you Theologically, you're not correct. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying that they are some of the most humble, nice, down-to-earth people you will ever, ever, ever meet. Uh, if you have not been to the Philippines, I would highly advise that you you take a trip there and spend some time with the people. Uh, there, where I'm doing the recording right now is in Hong Kong, and. Any given Sunday, you can walk out in the middle of Central and see them all over the place. Uh, the helpers, the people that kind of make this community tick, will be sitting out on cardboard. Um, and not a very good setup, but yet you will hear laughing and giggling and uh, women doing each other's nails and doing their hair. And they'll be doing uh, song and dance routines that they're going to be using in their churches. Most of them, not over 90% of them, are very active in their churches. The Filipino churches are booming here in Hong Kong. And most praise and worship teams are uh, staffed by what we call the Filipino Mafia. Uh, the, because they they're just such musical creatures. They just they're musical songbirds, um, constantly giving praise and worship to God in some of the most beautiful melodies that man has ever let leave his lips. That is the Filipino people. So I I, I really love the Filipino people. But last night, not so keen on the Filipino immigration. Not one bit. It was a it was a difficult time because we brought in twenty five back to Jerusalem missionaries. Um, some of them, the majority of them, arrived at Terminal Two. For those of you that are not familiar, there is a challenge between the Philippines and China. China is growing in influence and power, and as they grow in influence and power, they like the the. Countries of old that had quite a bit of influence and power and were, you know, type uh, a type of world power, which is what China is becoming quite quickly. They are definitely the main power in Asia for certain. And so they have been doing land grabs. So you have this group of islands kind of around the South China Sea and in, in, in the Indian Ocean, Pacific Ocean area. And there are islands that nobody's really lived on before that are owned by uh, Japan, South Korea, Philippines, and Vietnam. And China is saying that these islands belong to them. Now, historically, they've not. They've, they have not belonged to China. Really, nobody's really cared about these islands until it was discovered that these islands now sit over a gold mine of oil, and China wants that oil. They need that oil. They're hungry for that oil. So they've moved in, and they've started to say that these islands belong to them, and they've been uh, sending in military units that are even going and inhabiting those islands, setting up bases on those islands, and daring anyone to come and challenge their claim. No one will. So what they're doing is many of these smaller Asian countries that are being bullied by China are are coming together with other Asian countries, and together they're trying to provide this this front that will block the move of China, and they're bringing America on board, and America's all too happy to have a reason to put a cap on the growth of the Chinese military. Now – these small islands that are out in the middle of the ocean that have been taken by the Chinese have been greatly protested by the Philippine government. And the Philippine government has done everything that they can to stop 
the encroaching power of China on their territory. China, um, about a year and a half ago, released their new passport, and their new passport had a map. They, they still have, they have a map of China inside the pages of the Chinese passport. Now, this created a huge uproar here in Asia when China did it. Now it's kind of... Um, you know, fallen apart. Nobody, it's a part of the passport. It's a part of the passport, but the Filipino government is sticking to their guns and not accepting that Chinese passport. So they're still allowing Chinese to travel into the Philippines, but they do not acknowledge the Chinese passport. And the reason is because inside the Chinese passport has a map of China. And that map of China includes the Philippine territory of these islands. And so the the Philippines refuses to acknowledge that passport until they take it out. So when Chinese travel to the Philippines, they need to have a visa. And their stamp is not it does not go in their passport. The stamp goes on their visa. So the the Filipino uh, immigration officers will only stamp that piece of paper that has the uh, Chinese visa, the the visa, the Filipino visa for the Chinese. So most of you listening to this podcast, you've ne- probably never heard of this before. So even if you don't support Back to Jerusalem, it's kind of like a Snapple. Okay, you just you open it up, you look at the, the, the under the cap, and you're like, huh? I never knew that. I I, I never knew that uh, China had a map of special islands that belonged to the Philippines on their in their passport. Huh. So at least you learn something. If you listen to our podcast, at least you're going to walk away having new knowledge about how uh, immigration works between China and the Philippines. Now, that might come in handy one day. You never know when you're going to be traveling with a Chinese friend to the Philippines. Maybe you plan to do some scuba diving in Cebu, which I would highly recommend. I was able to get my scuba diving license uh, together with my two sons. Uh, they were age 12 and 16 when we got our scuba diver license, uh, scuba diver license together, and it was a blast. There's no better place. I'm convinced there's no better place in the world to do that than in the Philippines. You have great instructors. You have some of the lowest prices in the world. You can stay at some of the best resorts in the world for the lowest prices and have some of the cleanest, clearest, most beautiful water. With with um, the fish that, I mean, the, the radiant colors will blow your mind. Um, but I digress as uh, some of my favorite uh, radio broadcasters would say. So the Chinese that came uh, for the Philippine training, they arrived at immigration. Now, the first group was 15 individuals. We had 15 people arrive on the first flight, and they arrived into Terminal 2. Now, if you're familiar with the Philippines, there are three terminals, Terminal 1, 2, and 3, respectively. And these three terminals uh, are as different as day is from night. Terminal 2 and 3 were originally for Philippine Airlines and Cebu Pacific. Those are the the carriers that within the Philippines, and those are two new um, uh, terminals, and so they're nice, nice terminals. Uh, terminal uh, three being the newest, the nicest. Terminal two being okay, um, and then terminal one being an absolute disaster nightmare. It's if you could think of one of the worst airports in the world to go and meet somebody. Terminal 1 would be at the top of your list. I don't care if you can find a worst airport, uh, an airport that is worse than Terminal 1 in the Philippines. You cannot find an airport that is worse for waiting for people than Terminal 1 at the, Phil- at the Manila airport. It is absolutely horrible. It was the month of August that I'm waiting for the Chinese to come out of Terminal 1, and you're just sweating like a dog. I mean, um, there's no air conditioning. You're waiting outside. You don't know when your pe- the people are going to come. Uh, you're just standing. You have to wait across the street 
from the terminal, and it's not very clear for somebody who's never traveled internationally when they arrive in the Philippines because when they first come out of customs, they, they step outside. And when they step outside, there's like a little taxi area right there. But to meet with people, you have to walk across the road, go down a ramp inside a separate building, and then come out and then across the street from that place is where you're actually waiting. So you're like two roads separated and one level separated from the the arrival hall. It is the most ridiculous, horrible setup I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Terminal 2 and 3, not so much. So luckily, our first group arrived in Terminal 2. Terminal 2 did kind of what they were supposed to. The immigration officers saw a Chinese coming in a very large group and in, in, in a group of 15, and they all had um, the same piece of paper in their hand to say that they were there for a tourism volunteer uh, uh, program set up between two organizations, one humanitarian organization from China, one humanitarian organization from the Philippines. So we're working together with the Philippine uh, government as well as the Philippine um, humanitarian organization uh, so that the Chinese can come and get the training that they need to be able to work in the 1040 window. The Philippines is perfect for that. So when they saw this, they decided to go ahead and verify the information that was being carried on in the piece of paper that was carried by every single Chinese uh, volunteer, the Chinese missionaries. And on that had a very clear name, the name of the organization, and a phone number of the place where they would be staying the, and the person that is in charge of the program. So the, uh, the, the immigration officers there uh, held up the Chinese, and then they called um, the guy that was on the paper, which was standing right beside me, who's standing right outside a Terminal 2 waiting area waiting for the Chinese to arrive. The immigration officer walks outside checks our paperwork, takes a copy of our documentation as well as identification from us, walks back inside, puts it on record, lets the Chinese out, and then hands us back the information. He just needed to verify, was this true or was it not true? Now, if he said we don't approve of it and sends them back, that was fine because we had personal contact with the immigration officer and they let us know what was going on the entire time. Terminal 1. Not so much. So one group flies in on Philippine Airlines, which flies into Terminal 2. Nice terminal. We're standing outside. We're right outside the, the exit area. There's like a Jollibee. You can, if you're not familiar with Jollibee, that is the staple Kentucky Fried Chicken of the Philippines. Or you, there's like a, uh, a little coffee shop that you can sit where we did sit. And we drank water because it was hot out. We're drinking water, me and, and uh, the guy who is in charge of the humanitarian operation there in the Philippines. We're waiting for the Chinese missionaries to arrive and we're in we're, we're sitting in an air-conditioned area it's it's quite okay then we make the trek over to to the horrendous terminal one we're not only apparently it does the terminal suck but the immigration officers that work there have a very bad attitude so the chinese arrive and from the moment that they arrive at immigration they're met with hostility I mean, and, and it's and it's not it's not good. Now, um, right away we have uh, five Chinese who walk straight through immigration. So what, whoever they meet with doesn't really care, you know, to check their paperwork or anything. They just get stamped and they come on through. But five of them are held back. Five back to Jerusalem missionaries are held back. So the five that comes through. They stop and wait for the other five. Why? Because they are traveling as a group, and one of the members of that group is carrying a telephone that works internationally so he can communicate with us who's waiting outside for him. And he's also carrying the money in case anything goes wrong. He has money to uh, get hotels, buy food, taxi, uh, additional airline uh, tickets, whatever is needed. He's carrying cash for that. So we have kind of a team leader in charge of that group of 10. But one of the immigration officers yells at them and says, you can't stay here. You have to go. You can't, you can't wait. And, but he's, he's like, you know, these are our, these are our friends. We're, we're all traveling together. And she goes, I don't care. Keep going. Keep walking. And you see, 
when there are challenges between nations, sometimes the, that those 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 feelings, that animosity, that anger will spill over into the citizens, and the citizens are not exempt from what jobs they hold. That those that citizenry also makes up the immigration officers. So that animosity against China is carried over to the immigration officers. And I'm not just speculating. We've heard it where we've had Chinese that are attending this training from last year had to go in for their visas. And the immigration officer that was to give them their visa extension said no. And when asked why, he said, because I don't like Chinese. Said it very plainly. He, he, he did not try to hide it. You see, in other countries, they would at least try to hide it and say, no, it has nothing to do with racism or anger against a certain people group. I just blah, 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 and then they make up their excuse. But in most countries, they don't need to make up an excuse. They can say flat out, I don't like you. I don't like your nation. I don't like your people. And that's what happened last year with the Chinese missionaries who were serving in the Philippines. They met an immigration officer who plainly said, I don't like Chinese. That's why I'm not giving you your visa. Tough. Suck it up. Go back home. And so we had to work very hard in order to get the Chinese the visas needed in order to extend their um, time at the, in the training program. So from that point, the Chinese were separated from into two groups. And gr the first group that came through, the group of five, were forced to wait outside of customs they couldn't see they could they they had no way of communicating or knowing what happened to the chinese after about four hours of waiting and and myself and and the other uh local humanitarian operator are waiting outside we are just pouring with sweat um no information i i keep trying to call the team leader but he has no information um after about four hours we decide that it's time to start trying to get in contact. So we we walked up to um, the the police that are standing at the first kind of um, entrance ramp to get into the airport, and we said we need to talk to immigration. We have four people that are being held at immigration, and we need to see if we can be of any help or at least find out what's going on. And they said if you want to do that, you have to go to um, the immigration office. And we said, great, where's that? You have to leave that area, walk through the parking lot, uh, go through a guardhouse, go across a, a kind of like a, an off-ramp uh, leaving the airport like a highway, walk across this highway, walk up an off-ramp. And then from there, you have to walk back down into the facility and then stand in line. And once we got to this line, it's this question, this information booth. Um, and so we go up to the information booth. We say we need to talk with uh, immigration. Can we, can we get a pass or something to get into immigration? He gives us a clip of paper, a little small piece of paper that says call this number. Now anybody that's used to dealing with the government in the Philippines – you know where I'm going. You know that I'm about to embark on a, 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 a bureaucratic um, odyssey as has never been told before. And this podcast is our war story. Because what took place from there was an absolute circus. Uh, from there, we called immigration. Immig the per people that answered the phone immigration had no clue what we were talking about. Uh, we said we have four people at immigration at the airport. The people that are answering the phone, they're not even at the airport. They don't even know why they're taking this call. So they say, sorry, you have to – at the airport, you have to go and talk with immigration. So we're like, we're at the airport. They told us to call you. And they said, yeah, yeah, you have to talk to people there. So we then talk to the people there at the booth. They say, no, you have to call that number. So we call the number back, and they say, okay, let us give you a number to the immigration co high commission office in the metro area of Manila. So we call that number. That number says, write a letter and submit it tomorrow about why these Chinese should be allowed in. Well, I know that tomorrow 
They, they can't wait at the immigration office overnight. And I know that's not going to happen anyway because the immigration officers are either going to let them go or they're going to send them back on a flight. So going to the commission office with a letter of why they should come would, it was, a, was, a dog, was, a, was a run around a dog and pony show because basically when you show up with that letter the next day, they're like, oh, sorry, they're already gone or they're not there or here, take this to the airport. Then you go to the airport and find out that your friends are not even there or you'll get the phone call from China finding out that your friends are not even there. So I knew that that was a running round. So we call back to the the office and they refuse to answer any of our questions on that phone number that we have. Then they stop answering the phone altogether because they know it's us. They know that it's us and they don't want to talk to us anymore. So they just don't answer the phone. They take it off the hook because we call every single five minutes for about an hour. And I'm using a Chinese phone, so I'm getting charged international rates at making these phone calls, and they refuse to answer the phone. So I go back to the immigration office who gave me the number and said, they're not answering the number. Can I go in? And they said, no, you can't go in. We cannot allow you to go in. I said, but if I can get one of these passes, maybe I can go in and talk to somebody. And they said, no, you cannot, we, we cannot give you this pass. So I decide I'm going to try my luck again at just trying to get through the guards to get into the airport. So I walk up and they said, and I said, I need to talk with the immigration officers inside. And they said, no, you have to go back to the office, which I just came from. And they said, there, they will give you a pass. And I said, no, they won't give me a pass. And they said, well, then we can't let you in. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go try another guard. So I go to another guard. And this time, I'm not going to mention being rejected. Because once you mention you're rejected, they're like, well, nope, then you can't come in. It's a circle. It's a circle. And all I need to do is find out where are the Chinese. Are they there? Have they been released? And maybe we miss them. And they're wandering around with no phone, no money, no food, no water. No water in August in the Philippines is a dangerous proposition. You can be dehydrated in a matter of hours. They have no money to buy any water. They can't get any water anywhere. They don't know where to go. They don't know anybody in the Philippines. They're in their early 20s. They've never left China before. And it's my responsibility to make sure they're okay. That's why I'm there. I am there in the Philippines to receive them. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because you might find yourself in the same situation and maybe some of the information that I can give you in this podcast will help you in the future if you ever find yourself in a third world country where you have to deal with immigrations. Sometimes it's not straightforward and you're going to find the solution that I give that finally takes me to where I find the Chinese because nobody's giving us any information. Finally, we get the first five out. I tell them, okay, stop waiting because I know they haven't had any food. They haven't had any water and we need to be able to get them to a place where they can eat and drink. It's now in the early evening. So we load them up into a vehicle and we take them to our training center where they can get food and water. Meanwhile, I'm still at the airport and I get to these guards and I say, I just need to go in to speak with immigration. They said, sorry, you can't. You have to get this, this, um, this pass. And I said, and I know that I can't get the pass, so I'm not even going to go back to that office. So I'm not leaving until I can get into the airport. And so finally, I get to talk with an immigration officer. And the immigration officer tells us that um, those four Chinese have not come through. And I said, well, okay, they haven't come through. Are they in immigration? Can you talk with them? Can you verify for me that they are in immigration and they're not in jail? No, they cannot. They said because they've been handed over to China Southern. China Southern Airlines is the flight that they came in on, and they have been handed back over to them to take responsibility and fly them back to China. So I am allowed into the airport. So now I am inside Terminal 1. I am inside the enemy's uh, lair, and, and now I'm able to move around. So I get up, and I go to China Southern Airlines uh, head office, and I reach a new level of helping. I mean, they, they were amazing. There were these three sweet ladies um, that were basically relaxing in the office, and I was interrupting their relaxing time. They could have easily just gaffed me off, but they didn't. They did everything they could to help. And so I said, these Chinese that have arrived at Terminal 1 this morning 
are missing. We can't find them, and I've been told that they are in your custody. They called their people, and they said, sorry, no, those people are not in our custody. We don't know where they're at. So now I've talked to immigration. Immigration says that they're not there. I've talked to China Southern because immigration has said they handed them over to China Southern. China Southern says, no, we don't have them. We don't know what you're talking about. We don't have anybody like that in our custody. And our last flight tonight is at 540, and when I'm talking to them, it's uh, almost 430. So then I have no choice but to and, – and China Southern tells me our next flight after our last flight out – uh, this evening is tomorrow morning. So if the Chinese are indeed still in being held in, in secondary immigration, they will have to sleep at the airport. But keep in mind that they've been on a flight since about – or been at the airport since about 6 o'clock in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, and haven't had water or food since then. And now it's the evening, so they're going almost a 24-hour period with no food, no water, and nobody, nobody – and the, the Philippine immigration cares. I'm trying to contact them. I'm telling them the situation, and they do not care. Complete blank look. And each one of them, by the way, that I'm connecting with, each one of them has the power to help, but they won't. All they have to do is escort me to the next person. I say, okay, I want to talk to your boss. No. All I need to do is be taken to someone, and I'm, we're being as nice as we can. So it's not like we're doing it in an aggressive manner. We're not trying to make enemies. We're, we are truly trying to get help. We need help, and nobody is willing to help. And, and there's times, and this is speculation, so I, I, I can take criticism on what I'm about to say now. And it's speculation, but I'm getting the feeling that the people that I'm talking to are almost enjoying the fact that they can see me suffering because I don't know where my friends are and I'm concerned about their welfare. There, there's, this, there's this feeling of power that, oh, yeah, I have the power to help, but I'm not. I'm going to tell you no and go away. There, there's, this, there's almost this satisfaction on their face. And when I share with them that, listen, there are individuals that are being held that could be reaching a point of dehydration right now. I don't know that they're not, and I just need to know if they're okay. That's all. That's all I want to know, and I'm explaining this. No, nothing. So I decide there, there is a police office in the airport, and I used to work with the uh, San Marcos Police Department in San Diego County in Southern California. So I know a little bit about the obligations, even you know, for international standards for police, even though that was Southern California and this is the Philippines. I know a little bit about the procedures and what a mess paperwork can be. So I decide I'm going to go to the police station. And by the way, you can't even get to the police station inside the airport unless you get like another pass. So I get to the, this, this checkpoint, and I can see the, the police station for the airport. And I say, I just need to go to that, that police station. I need to talk with the police. And they said, no, you have to go back down to the immigration office where I've been at so many times, which is outside. It's not even an immigration office. They keep calling it immigration office, and, but it's an information booth. I'm like, immigration office, I don't think you know what that word means. I don't, you're using the word, but I don't think you really know what it means. Immigration office means that you have immigration officers, not some guy sitting in an old ragtag shirt and a pair of shorts on a, on a beat-up chair handing out phone number, um, little phone number pieces and, and then airport passes to staff that is supposed to be going back and forth into the airport. He has no interest in giving me a pass whatsoever. So I said, I, and I'm moving forward. And I was like, where is your boss? Let me talk with a boss. Finally, I was able to talk with this woman who seems to be a little bit in charge. And I said, I just need to talk with the police. Are you going to keep me from filing a report with the police? Because if so, I need to know your name because I have a missing – we have missing people, missing persons. I need to file a missing persons report with this police department. Now we're escalating because I have said I want to file a missing persons report. Why? Because 
the people that I talked with, which I'm pretty certain they're not connected with immigration, but nonetheless, they said that immigration does not have four Chinese in their custody. They said that they've been handed over to the security of China Southern Airlines. I've talked to Southern China Airlines, and they said no such people exist. Now I have a situation where four Chinese are missing, and we have no idea where they're at. So I end up going to the police. They, they finally let me through. No tag, no slip. They march me over to the police station where I sit down. And I tell the, the police that we have four Chinese that arrived on this morning's flight. We had eyewitnesses that saw them, eyewitnesses that saw them separated, forcibly separated, by the way. And then those four Chinese were sitting in immigration the last we saw. And the last we heard, immigration uh, let go of them and put them in uh, Chinese, China Southern's uh, uh, security responsible for them so china southern is responsible for them but china southern says they are not responsible for them and the woman said sorry sir that you would have to talk with immigration guess where she told me to go you'll never guess of course you'll guess go back outside go back down the stairs to the information booth that everyone else is calling the immigration office it and there they will be able to help you Find out what happened. No, no. Th those people give you a phone number and then tell you to call someone else. They will not let you into the airport and they're not immigration. They're not connected to immigration. They've never spent a day connected to immigration. It's not an immigration office. It is an information booth. And I said, no, I'm not leaving this chair. I am filing a missing persons report. She said, sir, you can't do that. Why? I have four people, four people that I know arrived at this airport, and now they are gone. They're, they have vanished, and you cannot prove to me they're here. Therefore, this is an emergency. I have four friends that I am connected with that I do not know where they're at, and I am responsible for their well-being. They have no money, no food, and only God knows what happened to them. Now give me the paperwork to file a missing persons report unless you can prove to me in person that those four people are in your custody. Now they can see. And I'm not moving. I am more than willing to make this an international incident because their pastor is one of my best friends. Their pastor has traveled around with me all around the world. Their pastor is Pastor Joshua. You will hear me say his name several times. I am not going to call Pastor Joshua and tell him I've lost four of his uh, close people that he has sent with trusting in me to another nation to do training, and now I have no clue where they're at. And they have no way of letting him know or me know where they're at. We have no way of knowing whether they're even still at the airport or not. To be honest and not being overdramatic, I have no idea whether they're in jail or not. I have no idea whether they're dead or alive. So I am not leaving that police department until I get a missing persons uh, report sheet. And then I will fill that out. And I'm telling you, if it took me that much bureaucracy just to get into the airport, oh man, they're about to be swamped with paperwork like you have never seen before. Just since my arrival and I've sat there, I have seen them have to log in details about what I'm saying into their logbook because it is a, a part of their bureaucracy of being uh, running the police department. I can see that there has been no log entries for the entire day. Now they're having to write something. And the more they write, the more I'm talking and I know exactly what they're doing, so I'm giving them more details so they have to write more. And the more they write, the more questions might pop up from that book, which means that they have to ask me questions now and put them inside this book. You see where I'm going? I am now putting paperwork on them that has to be completed, and the more they help me, the less they have to deal with me, the less they have to write the paperwork. Because it's not really about helping me in the end. It's about helping themselves not having to be in paperwork, because I am prepared to make this an international incident. I am prepared to not leave this office even if they put a gun to my head and tell me I have to leave because now it's getting serious. Now we're moving into the evening time and I have four friends that I am not going to go back to China and tell their pastor that I lost them. They are now missing individuals. So
the police officers come together and they decide that one of the police officers who has full authority to travel anywhere in the police in the airport that he needs to and i know this he knows this he knows that i know this he can travel anywhere in the airport that he wants to all he has to do is walk through a couple of doors uh, one security check, go to the immigration office and visibly see those four Chinese. I have their names. I have their tickets. Their paper tickets are in my hands. And so I say that I just need to verify where they are at. And if you can tell me, I don't need to see them personally. If you tell me that you're looking at them and you're talking with them, I will take that as verification. And then from there, we will... We'll, Decide what the next step is. So the police officer reluctantly is exhaling. He can speak English, but he decides he will only talk with another officer in Tagalog. And, uh, and I'm okay with that. I'm completely okay with that. Because I'm at the same time on the phone with the Chinese in China trying to let them know what's going on. And I'm speaking Chinese and they don't speak Chinese. So we have this kind of language uh, war going on where they they're, they're upset with me they don't want me in their office and i'm being nice i'm smiling i'm i i'm but i'm also being firm i'm i'm also letting them know guys i'm not trying to be difficult here i'm not trying to make your day please help me i just need help and you're my last resort uh, but and i'm not leaving this chair in this office even if you bring in a team of wild horses and try to drag me out, I'm not leaving here. And so this guy, who's obviously the lowest ranking police officer in the office because it's the guinea pig that they send out. And he goes out of the office. He goes in through these secure doors into the airport itself. Not even five minutes later, he's standing in the immigration holding room. And he radios back and says, yes, I have these four individuals. And I said, can you tell me their names? And he said, read off to me your names. I'm like, uh-uh, no, that's not the way it works. You tell me their names and I will verify if it's these four Chinese. They, read, they tell me their names and I say, yes, those are the four Chinese. Now, are they still being questioned? No, the answer comes back. No, they are no longer being questioned. They're, they have been denied entry. So it's been confirmed now. They have been denied entry into the country. How long they've been denied, I have no clue. But now it's been confirmed that they've been denied entry into the country. And I said, why? Why were they denied entry into the country? Silence. They don't answer. So again, I say, ask again, why were they denied entry? Because they had a phone number, just like Terminal 2 earlier in the day had a phone number, where the immigration officer comes out, verifies the information. We talk with him. He's very professional. He goes back in and does his job, and we do our job. And the Chinese are able to come out. The people in immigration, even though they had the Chinese all day long, never once even attempted to verify any of the information that they are carrying in their hand. It's as plain as black and white. They never call us. They never use the numbers or the names on the information sheets that are being carried by the Chinese to verify their information. Even more than that, they're at the same level of all the other uh, 21 people who arrived inside of the Philippines, and they came through with zero problems. Only four of them are having this problem. So there is inconsistency in the, in the programming here. Because if you say, well, they have the right to deny anybody, they absolutely have the right to deny entry to anyone. However, what is the, 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 the reason? What is the playing field? What is the, the bar that these four did not meet that the other 21 met? Why is it that 21 people came into the country when they were all traveling together and four of them were held back and questioned, questioned quite aggressively, but the information that they gave was never verified? They were told, we know this now because now they're back in China and we were able to debrief them. They were asked why they were in the Philippines. They said why they were in the Philippines. They were called liars because the information that they were given did not add up, but they never verified the information that they were, being, that they were given to the immigration officers.
So it was a clear situation of where these Filipino immigration officers did not like the Chinese. So he called back and he said, it's confidential. We can't tell you why it was. And I, this, at this point, I'm getting the vibes that we have some scared immigration officers. They didn't have a legitimate reason. And now they have a Westerner who has a legitimate organization in China working with a Westerner who has a legitimate organization in the Philippines, which has been approved by the government. And we have a group of Chinese who have already come out and we have individuals in immigration we have already talked to that has verified our information and they have done the right thing and allowed the group to come through and they have allowed Chinese to come through without even questioning them and others that they did question and didn't verify the information. And so now they're saying, oh, it's confidential. It's confidential. It has to do with security. So we cannot let you know why these Chinese did not come through. And I said, okay, so they've been denied. Why aren't they sitting on this next flight that's leaving out with China Southern? And they said, we're taking them over to China Southern right now. And I said, do you promise? Because I'm going back to China Southern. And if they're not in China Southern, I'm coming back and filing a missing persons report because you have them and you say that you're handing them over and then you won't have them. And then you're saying they're handing them over to China Southern and China Southern will say that they don't have them. And then they're lost in this vortex again. No, we will personally hand them over to China Southern. So I go up to China Southern, and there I have a team of amazing people that are working with China Southern. I have to tell you, I've worked with China Southern on several occasions with handling um, free goods to fly into Turkey. They did that. We've worked with China Southern with flying our goods into Nepal um, and China Southern flying goods into Iran. And people into Iran, and we've worked with China Southern now with holding people in security. Now, the China Southern people that I worked with, they were so sweet and kind. I mean, absolutely phenomenal individuals. Um, they did everything in their power. They let me p print off papers that I needed in order to talk with immigration. They needed. Uh, we had to write up – remember when I told you about the commission uh, office in downtown Manila? I still wrote up the paper for them in case we could get it to them in time uh, for the Chinese to be released. So – we still did what they said to approach the high commission office in down Metro Manila, downtown Metro Manila. And in order to do that, I needed to print up paper. And the China Southern office allowed me full access to their internet. They allowed me access to their computers and their printer and printed off things for free. They were under no obligation to do any of that. They had other jobs to do, but they stopped everything to help these four Chinese missionaries. I'm telling you, China Southern has probably be become the, the airline of Chinese missionaries uh, inside of uh, China. They have done more for us than any other airline in the world. Um, and I'm so happy uh, to be able to buy flights with them. Their only problem is they fly into stinking Terminal 1 when they fly into the Philippines. Fly into Terminal 3 or fly into Terminal 2. Do not fly into any airline that will take Terminal 1, that will fly into Terminal 1 into Manila. I would avoid that at all costs. And I'm telling you, you will thank me if you've never been to the Philippines before. Find an airline that will only fly into Terminal 2 or 3. Um, Cathay Pacific will fly out of terminal and fly into terminal three. I would fly into any airline that flies into terminal. Uh, and I know Korean air flies into terminal three. Lufthansa flies into terminal three. Um, these airlines, I would check online what airline they fly in. I'm I'm not joking. I would fly into Terminal 3 or 2. I would avoid Terminal 1 at all costs, and that breaks my heart because that is the terminal that China Southern flies into, and they're a great airline for the Chinese missionaries. So finally, they were able to verify that, yes, we have the four Chinese. And by the way, it was a full flight for the very last flight out that evening um, uh, out of the Philippines. And China Southern rearranged customers and got all four Chinese. There were actually six Chinese that were denied entry. Uh, two of them I, we had nothing to do with. We were not connected with. But those two did not make it onto the flight. Our four made it onto the flight uh, because those women knew the situation that they were in because I was explaining to them. They empathized with my situation, and they did everything in their power to help. When I said that they needed water, they did everything they could to get water. The Philippine immigration officers kept the, Chi the Chinese Southern Air uh, China Southern Airline workers from getting water to the people. And even if they could just 
pass water over or buy water. Like we told them, we will give you money to go and buy water to get it to these Chinese. They said, no, seriously, their, their health is in jeopardy here. And, but the China Southern workers told me as soon as they get onto the plane, we can promise you we will get food and water to these four Chinese. They were, they're on our priority list, and we will take care of them, and they did. They took care of them. They got them back to China safely into the hands of the Chinese underground house church where they had a team waiting for them that cheered for them, prayed for them, encouraged them, and now they are serving in Sichuan province um, until they get another opportunity to go abroad. But at the end of the day, we now have 21 uh, students that have started with the Back to Jerusalem training in the Philippines. They are starting on day one. They've hit the ground running on day one because they now have exposure to what it's like to go through immigrations in a country that is hostile to what they do. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast and listening to my pontification my 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 a story of exasperation of working with the filipino immigration officers who have it out for the chinese this has been a time where i hope you have been able to benefit from the information that we share and i want to thank you for joining us again And hopefully you'll come back and listen to us for our next podcast, which is going to be an amazing interview. Thank you so much. I'm Eugene Bach coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. God bless you. Hello, I'm Eugene Bach, and I'm coming to you with a little bit of a Back to Jerusalem emergency. We need your help. For those of you that are able to help, if you are retired or you are a student or you are finding yourself right now with a vision to serve in missions, we need you. Today, Back to Jerusalem missionaries in China are training people that are going to the field between China and Jerusalem in the 1040 window. Many of those students are learning English as their second language, and if you speak English, we need your help. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably speak English. For those that are willing to make a six-month commitment or a one-semester commitment, we will provide housing and air tickets once you pass a very simple background check and sign a confidentiality agreement. The schools are underground house church schools, and they desperately need your partnership today. This is an offer that we are giving out, sending out for the very first time because we are in an emergency situation where we have missionaries that are ready to go. They just need help. We can arrange all of the logistics to get your visa, housing, and transportation if you send me an email at sinobach at gmail.com, S-I-N-O-B-A-C-H at gmail.com. Again, you can send me a message to my email at S-I-N-O-B-A-C-H at gmail.com. Thank you for praying about this, and thank you for partnering together with Back to Jerusalem. God bless.